Coach's Corner, you guys know him and love him. The number one sports bar in Savannah. Owner John Henderson and those guys got a good thing going since 1991. www.coaches.net. In person, 3016 East Victory Drive, 912-352-2933. If you want to call ahead your order. Monday through Friday, lunch specials, concerts on the weekend, and of course, sports on 100 billion televisions over there at Coach's Corner. So check them out and tell them the Hot Reds podcast sent you. Also, the other shows on the Coach's Sports Network, Rubbin' and Grubbin' with Brandon Bain on Wednesday nights, Carl Tomasi on Saturday mornings, and Who is on First Base Baseball podcast with Kyle Lawson and Carl. They just wrapped up their season, so check them out on TuneIn and Podbean, and also check out the other shows on Coach's Corner's Facebook page. All right, let's get after it for a 138th time Hot Grits podcast. Ain't nobody gonna this your boy I've always kind of believed in aliens. I don't know if I believe in flying saucers. You might as well just walk up to Cupid while he's on his lunch break and you know, crank his heat or something. Yeah. Right in the face. Punch a little baby right in. We'll see that. We're almost uh, three minutes into our sports podcast and yet to bring up not one sport. Roll out. Come on, You over there. You over there. All right, welcome in episode 138. I'm Travis Shadon, uh, mostly football today. Got a lot of college football, also a crazy Falcons win over the Panthers. Um, we're not going to waste any time. Let's start with Georgia. Georgia 42, Florida 20. I think unless, if there was a different game coming up, the one we're about to talk a lot about, Tennessee and Georgia, if, the, if Georgia was about to play Georgia Tech, or if they were about to play Kent State, Georgia fans wouldn't be as concerned as they were about some of the mistakes made in the Florida game. But at the end of the day, Georgia beats Florida by 22 points, pretty much right on the spread, just 22 and a half, I think, at close. Um, So I don't want to spend too much time talking about the Florida game, but I would just say that, that I think, look, Georgia was beating Florida pretty badly. Then it got a little bit scary, and then they ended up beating Florida pretty badly. And that's the cut-and-dry version of it, but look, let's look ahead because that's what Georgia fans are talking about this week. 8-0, 5-0 Georgia hosts 8-0, 4-0 Tennessee. Tennessee now number two in the country. Um, let's just not even talk about the fact that they're tied for second place with Ohio State. It's a better storyline if we just say that Georgia's about to play the number two team in the country, and who would have thought Tennessee at this point in time would be number two in the country? When you looked at Georgia's schedule at the beginning of the season, it looked like the home slate was going to be pretty terrible. And now they're about to welcome in the number two Tennessee Volunteers. So Tennessee is number one in the country in scoring 49.4 points per game. Georgia's defense, number two in the country allowing just 10.5 points per game. Do you know who has the number one defense in the country? You'll never guess. Illinois. The fighting Illini. Illinois with the number one defense in the country. So it's great versus great in terms of Tennessee's offense versus Georgia's defense. I want you guys to hear what Kirby Smart said on Monday in Athens. Once again, Kirby delivers... Um, here's his opening statement on Monday in Athens, and then a question for, you know, every week from the UGA media, there's a Hail Mary question. 
where they just take a shot and hope Kirby says something, and Kirby almost always says absolutely nothing. So here's his opening statement before Tennessee, um, talking about Josh Heupel and the Tennessee Volunteers, um, and then a question in Kirby's response, and then we'll get back to it. Um, then moving on to Tennessee, who's uh, done a tremendous job. Uh, got a lot of respect for Josh, always have. Um, have knew him as a player and, and now as a coach. You know, he was at Missouri for a few years uh, early on and um, had a lot of success. Um, and now moved to Tennessee and done a tremendous job. His entire staff, they've done an incredible job with, with all the work they've done. Um, and our guys are excited and looking forward to a top matchup um, in Sanford Stadium. I know uh, our fan base will be loud and proud. I want to challenge our fan base to be, I mean, everybody talks about the Notre Dame game, but we want it to be louder than that. We want it to be there earlier than that. We had some great matchups last year here at home, and I thought they really affected uh, the game. Um, each time we had a big matchup, so we'll need them again and uh, need them to be ready to go. With this being only the third time in SEC football history that the top two teams from the AP poll have played against each other in the regular season, is this just another conference game, or do you prepare for this any differently way, any way different? No, I don't. We don't prepare for it any differently based on rankings. If that's what you're asking. The rankings, I don't, I don't even know the rankings were what they were. I mean, it's, it's a big game, right? Nothing about a number being in front of it. It would be a big game regardless because um, both teams are in the East. So just another game for Georgia. The number doesn't mean anything for Kirby Smart. Uh, yeah, right, bro. Yeah, right, bro. It's the first ever 1-2 matchup in Sanford Stadium history. It's only the third time that there's been a top five matchup in that stadium. And I think... The last two times were, like, I think it was 1983 and 1948. I think were the last two times that Georgia, a top five Georgia team faced another top five team in Sanford Stadium. So, look, it's unquestionably the biggest regular season game of the Kirby Smart era. And, like, it's not like Tennessee hasn't beaten pretty good teams. They've t- taken care of Alabama. They beat Kentucky last week 44 to 6. And again, they have a Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback in Hendon Hooker who is completing 71.2% of his passes. He's got 23-38 passing yards, 21 tutties versus just one interception, um, and is also over 300 yards rushing with four touchdowns on the ground as well, so 25 total touchdowns for Tennessee's senior quarterback, and they're going to go at an ultra-fast pace. Uh, Tennessee will. But I think Georgia will be able to keep up with them, and I like Georgia in this game. They're favored by, or they opened as a nine-point favorite. Um, and I think I would like Georgia in that line. I mean, I'm not going to bet it. I don't bet Georgia, but the game being in Sanford Stadium, uh, Kirby Smart knowing what's on the line, and Georgia getting back relatively healthy. I told you guys I thought Jalen Carter would play last week against Florida. He played sparingly, but he makes such a big difference. When he plays on the interior, it allows guys like Nolan Smith, um, who got a little bit banged up in that game, it allows guys like that to get into the backfield. And you could see that. Every time Jalen Carter was in the game, it was a, he was a difference maker, even if he wasn't logging a tackle or a TFL. So Georgia's getting relatively healthy. 
against Tennessee. Obviously, they know what's at stake. It's at home. And I just think Georgia's better. I mean, I, look, if Tennessee wins, obviously it won't be, like, shocking. But Kirby Smart's teams have done relatively well against the Vols. The last time they lost the Bulldogs was that Josh Dobbs Hail Mary play. Josh Dobbs is the ugliest guy ever. And Hinden Hooker looks a little like Josh Dobbs. That should be said. But that was the last time Georgia lost to Tennessee. Was that fluke Hail Mary play. And now Georgia's beaten Tennessee five times in a row. I like them to make it six in a row, but, you know, if Georgia loses, it's hard to find a way where they get back in not only to the SEC title game. I think if Georgia loses to Tennessee, you can kiss that goodbye because you're essentially two games back at that point because Tennessee would have the head-to-head. But I also don't know if Georgia finds its way back into a college football playoff without beating Tennessee. If, if two SEC teams are going to go, you would think it would be the SEC champ and the SEC second place team. But there is precedent. Alabama did it without going to the SEC title game. Remember when Georgia beat Auburn in the SEC title game that Alabama didn't even appear in the game and they won the whole shebang against Georgia. It was Georgia beating Auburn in the title game that year and the SEC title game that year and then Alabama beating Georgia in the natty. But I I just don't know if it shakes out that way this season. Now, I, I think we will learn a lot Later on today, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, when the initial college football playoff rankings come out, we'll learn a lot from that. And, you know, I don't know if it matters as much where you start. Obviously, it doesn't where you start as opposed to where you finish. But if Georgia doesn't beat Tennessee, I would think Georgia would then be rooting for Tennessee. Of course they would. Would be rooting for Tennessee to beat Alabama again. But the worst case scenario would be Georgia losing to Tennessee then Tennessee losing to Alabama in the SEC title game. In that scenario, there's just no way Georgia gets in. So, you know, Kirby can say it's not about the numbers all he wants, but the fact is if a national championship is on your mind, the numbers in front of the names, that's the only thing that matters. That's the only number that should matter. I mean, you better have at least number four in front of your name come into the season. And the only way to do that, I would think at this point, with the other teams in there in the top eight range, you know, the teams that are not in the SEC, even top nine if you go to Southern Cal, those teams would have a legitimate gripe if Georgia got in without even winning its own division. So this becomes a monumental game. For Georgia, it becomes a monumental game for Stetson Bennett. You know? Who would have thought that his, you know, maybe the biggest game of, of his life wouldn't have already come? You would have thought it already happened last season. But, man, what if, if he loses this game, if he plays poorly, like if he throws two picks again, 
and Georgia loses this game, there will be a lot of people out for his head. Because Georgia's going to have to score in this football game. I don't think Tennessee is scoring. They're not going to score 49 points against Georgia, I don't think. But you're probably going to need at least 30 to beat these guys. And that's going to mean that Stetson Bennett's going to have to do some things offensively for Georgia, and they're going to have to find somebody besides Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers obviously has to have a great game for Georgia to be successful through the air. But there's somebody else is going to have to step up. I've given up on A.D. Mitchell. He's done. He's out. He's not real. He's Fugazi. I've given up on him. So someone else is going to have to step up. And if Georgia beats Tennessee, they're at Mississippi State, at Kentucky, versus Georgia Tech to close the year. They look good. They look pretty good. So, you know, it's not too far-fetched to think that Georgia could lose to, let's say Georgia beats Tennessee and loses to Mississippi State. They still go to the SEC title game. They could still win the SEC. And if they win the SEC, they're going to the college football playoff. So really, you'd rather lose to any team besides Tennessee, even though they're the toughest team on the schedule the whole season. Unless you ask Bo Nix at Oregon. Who wants another shot at Georgia? What an idiot. He's like 0-40 against Georgia in his career. All right, let's move on to Georgia Southern, who has another big game this season. But first, let me tell you guys about Sweet Potatoes Kitchen, the number one Southside lunch spot in Savannah, 531 Stevenson Avenue, um, Monday, 11 to 3 p.m., so lunch only, and then Tuesday through Saturday, 11 a.m., to 8 p.m. 531 Stevenson Avenue, or if you want to call ahead your lunch order, it's 912-352-3434. 912-352-3434. I always just think 352 Herschel Walker, Herschel Walker. That's Sweet Potatoes phone number. Also find them on Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Owner Steve Magulius in there. If you see him when you're in there getting your food order, tell him the Hot Grits podcast sent you. You'll be helping us, and Sweet Potatoes Kitchen helps us, so you guys help support them. That's how this whole thing works. Uh, we're grateful to them. And now we'll move on to Georgia Southern. Southern, 5-3, and 2-2 two and two in the Sun Belt. They get South Alabama this week. Southern's coming off of their bye week after consecutive wins over James Madison and Old Dominion. This is another huge game. For Georgia Southern, they're at home, four-point underdogs to six and two, South Alabama, who is three and one, in the Sun Belt. Outside of this game, just quickly, Georgia Southern fans will be rooting for App State Thursday night at Coastal Carolina, and they'll be rooting for Southern Miss Saturday versus Georgia State. App State's also two and two in the conference, but Coastal Carolina leads. The division at 4-1 and one overall, so Georgia Southern desperately needs Coastal Carolina to lose and to lose twice. That's asking a lot, I think, and that's in order for Georgia Southern to have a shot at coming out of the East. But that, I don't think most Georgia Southern fans are thinking about that, nor should they be. It's really about bowl eligibility, obviously, right? One more win in the last four games, and Georgia Southern will become bowl eligible with six wins. They're 3-0 and at home this year. But 
as the calendar turns to November, I think, you know, Georgia Southern's record in this month has not been great over the last three years. Uh, one and three last season, two and two in 2020, um, and five and seven over their last three years in the month of November. Um, the next four games, the last four games for Georgia Southern, who is a pass-happy offense, as we know, the number one pass offense in the Sun Belt and one of the best pass offenses in the country, they're going to face Sun Belt ranks one through four in passing defense. So each of the last four games will come against teams ranked in the top four in the conference in terms of pass defense, beginning with South Alabama, who's number three in pass defense. They're also third in points allowed per game, 17.5 points allowed per game. Um, South Alabama's defense, like, you know, not a full scouting report on the Jaguars here, but from what I can tell, they are a defense that does it by committee. They don't have any top 25 tacklers in the conference, but they're third in scoring off or, you know, scoring defense. So that tells me that they're sort of by committee in terms of tackles. Um, not great in terms of sacks, not great in terms of tackles for loss. So they're, you know, they're sort of bend, don't break on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they do have a cornerback who is on the all-name team uh, and who leads the Sun Belt in interceptions. His name is Yarn Banks. That's right, folks. Yarn Banks leading the Sun Belt with four picks this season for South Alabama. Georgia Southern, 4 p.m. on ESPN Plus versus the Jaguars on Saturday. If they win, they'll be 3-2 and two in the Sun Belt. They'll also become bowl eligible, which is something that I thought was a long shot to begin the season uh, and now looks more and more realistic. I mean, they could legitimately get to, I mean, they could legitimately get to eight wins. Seven wins, not out of the question. Six wins is more than probable. To say that with four games left in the season tells you how far Clay Helton, Brian Ellis, Kyle Van Treese, really everyone that's been at the top of this transition for Georgia Southern, it's gone really well so far. If they can get one more win, it will be, you know, a really big success. If they don't get one more win, if they somehow lose out and go 0-4, man, it sours the rest of the season. It sours the rest of the season where you beat a Power 5 team and you beat a Top 25 team. Those are two separate wins and you still don't make a bowl game, that would suck. I don't see that happening. I think Georgia Southern's going to make it, and I think they'll be fine. All right, John Carr Realtor, the number one realtor in the world. You guys know him and love him. Give him a call or text him today if you want to buy or sell real estate in the Savannah market. 912-228-0916. 912-228-0916. John Carr Realtor with Seaport Real Estate. Our guy, top five nicest guy in the world, and the number one Realtor in the Milky Way Galaxy. Give him a call or text him today whether you're buying or selling real estate and he will hook it up for you. 912-228-0916. Alright, Savannah State, hand up. They deserve credit. Folks, I'm about to give Savannah State credit. Pay close attention. They beat Fort Valley State, who is seven and two. Savannah State beat them twenty-eight to twenty-four um, at a neutral site game in Macon. I guess you could call it neutral site. Uh, on Saturday, 28-24 final. They held on late in what was a crazy finish. 
It looked like Fort Valley State had thrown a long Hail Mary type pass um, to win the game. They celebrated, ended up getting called back. Another referee like ran in and, and called it off. Uh, crazy ending, but, or, but Savannah State scores 21 points in the fourth quarter to beat who I think was a heavily favored Fort Valley State team. Um, 28-24, the final. The Tigers are now 4-5, and five, overall 3-4 and four in the SEAC. They close out their season next week at home against Lane College. Lane College is pretty solid. They're 5-4, and 4-2. Four, four and two. But if Savannah State can win that game and finish at 500, it, I will be you know, shocked. And I'll be the first one to say that Aaron Kelton and that coaching staff and everyone deserves credit. Because, boy, the way it started and the way it looked at times, this thing could have fallen off the tracks. And for them to finish at 5-5, five and five, now granted that would be with, with a win over Virginia University of Lynchburg, who is, as we've stated, not a real football team. But to finish at 5-5, five and five, to finish at 4-4 four and four in the SEAC would be much better than what I thought at the beginning of the season and much better than what I thought certainly at times early in the season. Jaden Adams, the Islands quarterback, 11 carries, 109 yards, and a tutty rushing for Savannah State. He's been really good. He's going he's gonna to go over 500 yards passing, 500 yards rushing on the season. That's awesome, obviously. Um, and for him to be a Savannah guy doing that says a lot um, for Savannah State. And, and for them to be in this position, for them to not have given up and, and to win a game like that over Fort Valley State, pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. So we dog Savannah State here on this podcast. Like, that's known. So we got to give them some credit, too, because they deserve it this week for sure. All right, let's talk a little NFL. Falcons, your first place Atlanta Falcons with uh, an absolutely crazy win on Sunday over Carolina. Atlanta 37, Carolina 34 in overtime. Uh, Do the Falcons are doing the unthinkable right now. I think nobody thought the NFC South would be this shitty this far into the season. But the Falcons at 4-4 four and four overall and with a minus 5 point differential on the season are in first place. And listen to this upcoming schedule. Chargers, Panthers, Bears, Commanders, Steelers. Chargers, Panthers, Bears, Commanders, Steelers. There's a real chance the Falcons will be 7-6 and six on December 4th heading into their bye week and then they'll get the Saints on December 18th. Could you imagine if the Falcons were actually right around that 7-6 and six mark hanging, heading into New Orleans on December 18th? That's what they put themselves in position for because, look, they can beat the Chargers, they can beat the Panthers, they can beat the Bears, they can beat the Commanders, and they can beat the Steelers. Now, the Falcons, I still think, are bad enough to lose to all those teams. But let's say they split the next two, Chargers, Panthers, then go 2-1 and one over the next three, Bears, Commanders, Steelers. That puts them at 7-6, and six, and that's not too crazy. What was crazy was the win over the Panthers. Kickers still matter. Kickers still matter. The DJ Moore penalty where he rips his helmet off, turns the extra point into like a 45-yarder, 48-yarder. Panthers miss it. Then they miss another kick in overtime. 
crazy game that the Falcons tried to lose, but they did not lose. They're 3-1 and one at home. I thought Marcus Mariota was like, I mean, possibly his best game of the year, even with two interceptions. He hit eight different receivers in the game. Had three tutties passing, 43 rushing yards, including a big scramble there, or a big keeper on a read option play in overtime to set up Youngway Koo, who is the man, Georgia Southern's finest. It's crazy, man. The Falcons, 7-6 and six on December 4th. You heard it here first. Your first place, Atlanta Falcons. All right, let's close up with a little high school football talk. High school football every week brought to you by the PrepSportsReport.com. PrepSportsReport.com, number one place to find local Savannah sports news, including high school sports. Absolutely 100% free to read. Um, You don't have to sign up for anything. You can get your scores, recaps, previews, everything from PrepSportsReport.com. Go check them out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at PrepSAV on Twitter. Um, This week in high school football, it's the last week of the regular season, Johnson's at Long County, and Savannah Christian hosts Liberty County. And that, the, both those games are in Region 3-3A. If Savannah Christian wins, they're the two-seed. If they lose and Liberty County wins, if Liberty County wins and Johnson wins, then Johnson moves up to the two-seed, Savannah Christian the three-seed, and Liberty County the four-seed. Because Johnson has the tiebreaker over... Liberty County. What's 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 I think concerning for Johnson is that they're not going to have their starting quarterback Malachi Bacon. So I, I look for them to lose to Long County, and I look for Savannah Christian to beat Liberty County. So I imagine it's going to shake out like this: Calvary number one out of Region three three A, Savannah Christian two, Liberty County three, Long County four. Country Day beat Johnson last week. That hurt Johnson's chances for sure, but they still have the tiebreaker over Liberty, and that gives them hope. They just need to win at Long County. But again, without their quarterback, they threw for two yards last week. Johnson did. So it's going to be tough. It's definitely going to be tough because Long County has a really, really good player in Douglas, their running back. And again, I just don't know that Johnson's going to have what it takes to beat them. Savannah Christian in Pooler versus Liberty County. Liberty County has a great quarterback, Kaverne Singleton. Kaverne Singleton, something like that. Carlos is his first name. Um, I look for Savannah Christian to win that game. I think that's where I'll be on Friday night, and I think it'll be Savannah Christian clinching a home playoff game as a number two seed out of Region 3-3A. You can check out that story and all the other recaps on Saturday morning from Friday night's regular season finale across the city in high school football. Check it all out on PrepSportsReport.com. All right, that's it for this week's short and sweet episode. Uh, Possibly a bonus episode later in the week. If not, we'll see you guys for episode 139 next week. Stay safe. Wash your hands, you filthy animals.
Savannah's premier indoor baseball training facility, SBPA is owned and operated by Ross Howard, and together with instructors who have played college and professional baseball, Ross and SBPA offer customized instruction year-round for baseball and softball players, full-length batting cages, pitching mounds, and a state-of-the-art technology to measure improvement are just a few of the highlights over at the Academy. Call Ross at 912-484-5282 and visit the Savannah Baseball Performance Academy on Facebook for programs, teams, camps, and more information about how to take advantage of this great venue. Savannah's only year-round indoor baseball facility, Ross Howard, our guy, give him a call, 912-484-5282. Commercial and residential electrical services that you can trust. Braddy Electric is Savannah's number one electrical services for commercial and residentials since 1970. It's family owned and family operated. Reach them today at 912-233-1561 or 1104 East 35th Street. Braddy Electric, that's two Ds, B-R-A-D-D-Y. Five stars on Yelp, five stars on Google reviews, and Savannah's number one electrical servicer since 1970. Call them today, 912-233-1561.